This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. So today is Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday. And the question I've been asking myself and I've been wondering is how are people coping just staying at home all of this time? Uh, over this period, uh, I found out some truths about myself. Uh, my daughters were telling me the other day, they said, Daddy, you don't smile. I'm like, uh-uh, with all this, my laughter. What do you mean? Say so you are too serious. You are a workaholic. So I kind of uh, looked at the situation myself, and I, uh, sadly, I had to agree with them that uh, I think I work a little too hard. You know, so this weekend, I decided I'm going to decompress. You know, I'm going to do something fun. And uh, so here's what I did yesterday. Uh, I did barbecue. Uh, last year, I learned how to make barbecue. And since then, I think this is my seventh or eighth barbecue session. Uh, went. <laughs> it went pretty well. Went pretty well because all of my barbecue finished. Well, almost. Almost. I think there's still a few drumsticks uh, left somewhere. You know, but uh, so that's how I spent yesterday. I wonder how you are spending your time. Uh, friends, one of the things that we must do at a time like this is you must look inwards. There is more in you than you have given yourself credit for. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised when I got feedback that uh, my barbecue was juicy, it was nice. I don't know if they were just thanking me for the effort, but uh, they, they appreciated me. And I was not selfish about it. So I made for my family, and I made for a few other people that lived around us. Hallelujah. You know, so uh, you can do something. You can do something. Look within yourself. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm presently surprised that uh, this uh, barbecue thing has become a norm for me. I can just roll out the grill and start grilling. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's say a word of prayer. Father, we... Thank you. Jehovah, we give you praise. Daddy, we appreciate you. You are faithful. You are good. You are kind. Hallowed be thy name, O God. Father, as we look into your word of life this morning, Jehovah, please speak to us. Uh, Lord, we thank you because we know you are already in charge. We don't need to ask you to take charge. You are in charge. This, everything is your creation. And you made all things for your own pleasure. Daddy, please do as you will. And let your name be glorified forever. In the name of Jesus. Speak to us today. And Lord, I pray for myself that I will not be in the, war, in the way of your word. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, we'll take our text this morning from John chapter 12. From verse 12, we take our text from the gospel according to John. From chapter 12, we read from verse 12 all the way to 19. The next day, 
the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who is come in the name of the Lord. Hail the king of Israel. Jesus found a donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the uh, prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Verse 17, many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him because they had heard about his miraculous signs. And verse 19, the last one that we're reading for now. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there is nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Hallelujah. So like I said, uh, this Sunday amongst Christians is generally called the Palm Sunday. Because of the events that has been described in our text above, and uh, also because it's the Sunday that precedes uh, Resurrection Sunday. So the question is, what then is the meaning of Palm Sunday? What does it signify? Why is it significant? Is it significant at all? Uh, what I like to do, because, <laughs> you know, one of the challenges of uh, preaching and preaching balanced is we take a text from the middle and then we begin to run with it. And we say all these things about it and we are not able to bring the context to that scripture. So this story started from the first verse, uh, John chapter 12 from verse 1. It says, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. You saw a reference to Lazarus in, the, uh, in our text that we read. Uh, so in John chapter 11, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, and then he proceeds to Bethany uh, the next day, or maybe the same day, we don't know. Uh, but it says, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrives in Bethany. And the text that we read said the next day. So it means if he arrived on Saturday, the next day now is Sunday. The next day. So five days before his crucifixion is the account of the story that we are reading. We know for a fact that Jesus was crucified before the Passover because the scripture tells us that. Uh, the, 
the, the, the Pharisees, the leaders, the scribes, they did not want his body on the cross into Passover. So quickly, they removed all the people they had crucified. So we know that for a fact. Alright? So, the Bible says that everything, there's always a reference six days before Passover, five days before Passover, and so on and so forth. So, what is the significance of this Passover? It's important that we understand that the Passover was a Jewish national celebration. And during this time, and this context is important as we build into the sermon today. During this time, people come from all over the country. They come from the countryside, they come from the north, they come from everywhere. And everybody gathers in Jerusalem for a celebration. And as they gather, you can imagine people from all kinds of places. And not only that, even Jews in diaspora, they all come. Everybody come together to celebrate the Passover. So in Jerusalem at this time, during and around Passover, the population is almost ten times what it usually is. So it's a lot of people. And the Bible says that all of these people, they lined up the street to receive Jesus. So from our text, I'm going to bring out a few points, three points. The Bible says that some excited people were by the roadside to receive Jesus. Let's go back to verse 12 of our text. John chapter 12, verse 12. It says the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors, very important and very key. Note that. A large crowd of Passover visitors. So very distinctly, the Bible is telling us that the people that lined the streets to receive Jesus were not the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They were the visitors that had come. The Jews in diaspora that had come to Jerusalem, they had lined the street to receive Jesus. Because the Bible tells us in that same text that we have read that they had heard about the raising of Lazarus. So when they heard that Jesus was coming to town, they lined up the street to receive him. They lined up the street to receive him, shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. The thing that interests me so much here is that the people that really knew Jesus did not receive him. The people that were familiar with Jesus did not come out to receive him. It was the visitors that had heard about the things that he had done that came to receive him. You know how it goes? There's an English saying that says, familiarity breeds contempt. They had gotten used to Jesus. They had gotten used to seeing him in the synagogue. He had been in the temple. He had taught them. He had spoken to them. They were used to all of that. So when they heard that Jesus was coming to town, they were like, big deal. Not important. The question I have for us today is what are some of the other things 
that we have become familiar with. Some people have become familiar with even church service. It has become a Sunday routine. A Sunday routine. And I appreciate as many as are watching online that are still plugged in. Though the church building is close to congregational worship, but you are still connecting even for church service. Why? Because there is something about us coming together, whether virtually or physically, that just breeds something wonderful. The Bible says in Psalm 133, Psalm 133, it says, the Lord commands in his blessings in the place of unity. Psalm 133, if you read the third verse, it says, when we come together, in that place of togetherness is where the Lord has commanded his blessing. Hallelujah. So there is power when we come together, when we gather, when we fellowship. There is power in fellowship. These people, had become familiar with Jesus. The church and many today are becoming that familiar with Jesus. The Bible, Jesus says something. Uh, let's read uh, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And I read from verse 1 through 3. And it reads, it says, about that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get to, into the kingdom of heaven. You will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What am I saying to us this morning? Brethren, uh, we celebrate resurrection every year. Anything we do regularly becomes a routine if we are not careful. The Passover was supposed to be a solemn thing. But over time, people became familiar with it. Like they became familiar with Jesus. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, anyone that is going to be great in my kingdom, anyone that will be great in my kingdom must humble themselves as little children. You know, <laughs> there was once upon a time when my, when my daughters were little, whatever I said to them, they, they didn't question it. You know, even though I didn't know how to swim, but what I knew to do, I taught them. And back in the day, if you ask them, can you swim? They say, yes. Who taught you to swim? My daddy. But now they know better. They know I can't swim because they, <laughs> they swim better than myself now. But little children, they are so absorbing. They are like sponges. They are like sponges. But many people today have become more knowledgeable than the Holy Spirit. We are no longer yielding to seek and hear from God what to do and what next steps should be. The Bible says that the people that already knew Jesus, the people that had already seen Jesus, when it came down to it, they did not celebrate him. There is something about simplicity. 
there is something about simplicity. Our faith is a very simple faith. Only belief. That's what the scripture says. Only believe. Only believe. Many people want to, with logic, reason things, but faith does not walk by sight. Hallelujah. Faith does not walk by sight. Hallelujah. Simplicity of the gospel. You know, many people will be surprised. And that's why the Bible says in Luke chapter 13, it says, Jesus talking here. He says, in those days, there will be gnashing of teeth. Hallelujah. He said, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you will be thrown out of it. He's speaking to the leaders of the Jews. He's saying, you have become familiar with God. That you see God in person, you have not even recognized God. You see the Son of God. He said, if you knew the Father, you will know me. There is no way you hate me and love the Father. Why? Because they have become familiar. Friends, watch out for familiarity. Familiarity will deprive us and deny us of great things in life. Jesus was saying to them, he said, you think you are leaders. You think you are the top dogs. You think you are the ones that will sit on the high table in heaven. He said, on that day in heaven, there will be gnashing of teeth. There will be weeping. There will be wailing. Why? Because you will be thrown out of it. I'm not talking about you. He's referring to the leaders, the scribes, the prophets, I mean, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He was addressing, they said, you are the leaders of the people. But basic things, simple things, you cannot understand. Verse 29. Verse 29. He said, and people will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, the north, the south, to take their places in the kingdom of God. Verse 30. And note this. Some who seem least important now will be the greatest then. And some who are the greatest now will be least important then. He said, you Pharisees, you like the high tables. You like the special seats. You, you like the clout that you have more than you love God. Praise the Lord. Our faith is a simple faith. Very simple. Jesus came. He walked as a man. After 30 years of living, he began his ministry. He did ministry for about three and a half years, and he went for the purpose he came. He came to die. He went to the cross. He died for you. He died for me. And that is, the, that is all that I need to know. Prosperity will come as an, an add-on to the package. Hallelujah. Healing is an add-on to the package. Amen. But the very reason he came is to settle the matter of sin once for all. All the blood of bulls and the doves and the turtle doves and all of those things. All of those things could not take care of the sin problem in man. And that's why God himself had to come. Say, if any man will believe. Say, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, Jesus came for you. Jesus came for me. What a joy we have that we are in Christ Jesus. 
And that is the most important thing in our lives. That's the most important thing about our lives. That is the most significant thing in our lives. That we are in Christ Jesus. Friends, everything else is secondary. Oh, somebody said, well, how is it that I'm in Christ and I'm sick in my body? Would you rather be healthy and go to hell? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Even though it says, I wish above all things that you may be in health, uh, that your soul may prosper, and be in health as your, as your soul prospers. That is the desire of God. But what trumps that is being in his presence forever and ever. So friends, I want us to get our priorities right. And I think one of the reasons many people have been discouraged, many people have been frustrated with their faith is because they have, they have equated God to stuff. So if I'm in God, then I must have stuff. So if I don't have stuff, it means I'm not in God. That is not true. That is not true. That is not true. So don't get familiar with God. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. The Bible says guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flows the issues of life. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Number two. Number two. So number one is familiarity. Who were the people that were there? It was the visitors that came to receive Jesus. You will have thought that the people that have seen his miracles, the people that had interacted with him, the people that knew him, the people that saw the great miracles he had done when they heard he was coming to town, they will be the first to come and say, oh, Jesus is coming to town. Jesus is coming to town. No. It's oh, we've seen him. We've seen the miracles. Not a big deal. We received some prophetic word this morning about glaucoma the pressure going down. Somebody say, oh, that's not me. No, it doesn't matter. If it, even if it is not you, how about getting excited that somebody, a word of prophecy had gone out and somebody has been healed right now if we truly believe in the word of God and the power that is in the word of prophecy. Number two, very quickly. So number one, I said, who were the people that received him? Number two, what was the occasion? The occasion was the Passover. The Passover. Amen? The occasion was the Passover. And it marks a significant event in the Jewish life and the Jewish nation. It was so important and significant that God said they must memorialize it and celebrate it every year. Let's read Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, and I'm reading from the Living Bible Translation. The Living Bible Translation. You shall celebrate this event each year. This is a permanent law. A permanent law to remind you of this fatal night. So what God was reminding them, what God wants to be engrafted into their memory is what God called a fatal night. A fatal night. Why? Because that night, all the firstborn sons in Israel, uh, in Egypt, all of them died. It was a bloody night. 
It was a bloody night. So God said, I want you to remember the seriousness of this night for the rest of your life. So as you, as you celebrate the Passover, you tell your children what I did for you. You tell your children the story of the events of that night. It was a solemn moment. It was a solemn moment. And God wanted them to remember. But guess what? Because it was something they did year after year, a solemn moment has now become a party. It's now a feast. It's a feast. It's no longer that solemn moment that brings the remembrance of the things that God had done. Isn't that what happens to us? You know, even with the preaching of the word, you can get so familiar with the scripture, you just come and say, let me go break the scripture down for them. There is no severity behind it. Oh, they say you'll be sharing a word of exhortation. You just, you say, this one verse that I've always known, let me just go and tear it up for them there. No, there's a severity to the teaching of the word of God. Or you're in the choir, you come up to sing, it's just a feast. The preaching is just a feast. Prayer is just a feast. That is what Passover had become for them. It was just a fun time. We're going, let's go, everybody come. We see old people. Oh, long time no see. It was just what that was what is what it was all about. Even church service sometimes can become like that. Some people come, and the only reason they are coming is to show off their new attire. And they are comparing notes. Oh, my 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 stuff is, is better than that other person's. They are comparing. That's all they're doing. It means that solemn moment for you has become a feast. It's become a party. It has lost the power behind it. You know, one of the things I have seen about life is that the things, the moments that bring about huge transformations, they seem so ordinary that many people miss them. How did these guys, these guys, the visitors, the visitors that had not encountered Jesus, they, they have only had, they have not confirmed the things that Jesus had done, but the ones that had seen him and knew the prophecies that had gone ahead of him, by now they should have concluded that this is the Messiah. But they did not show up. They didn't show up. They were not the ones that came to receive him. It was the visitors, the ones that had not seen him before. The ones that heard about these miracles and they said, we want to see this Jesus. When you read further down, the Bible says the Grecian Christians, they came and they said, all that we want is that we may see Jesus. We don't want to see miracles. We don't want to see Lazarus. We don't want to hear nothing else. We just want to see Jesus. Is that your heart cry? Is that my heart cry? So this is a time of the year when we talk about his death and resurrection, even though before now he died and resurrected. So emphasis now is just for the sake of the celebration. Because that is the truth every day of the year. Every day of the year is a day to remember his death and resurrection. 
friends. A solemn moment for them had become a party. It has become a feast. It has become a hangout session. Church for some people is a hangout spot. Just to come hang out. It's not a place for learning. It's not a place for spiritual edification. It's just a place for hangout. But that is not the design of God. When we come together, the Bible expects, God expects, that we are built up through our relationship one with another. Listen to me. Instinctively, these guys knew. Because nobody, it, it was not, nobody coached them. I guess because of the things they had heard about Jesus, one of the reasons they were eager to see him is because in their hearts, they must have concluded that this is the Messiah. And they were eager, eager to see him. Do you know Jesus as this Messiah? The Savior of the world. So when they saw him, they just worshipped. They, they said, praise God. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. They acknowledged who he was. Why? Because they had an understanding. They had an understanding. I'm going to take the third one and we're going to wrap up very quickly now. So number one, I asked the question, who were the people that received him? Visitors, strangers. Amen? Like the Bible says that you and I, we were strangers, aliens to the commonwealth. But the door has been opened to us to come in and we have come in. Glory be to Jesus. Number two, what was the occasion? It was a Passover. A solemn thing that they have transformed into a joke. If we are not careful, before we know it, before we know it, we will make our salvation a joke as well. A salvation where anything goes. A salvation where there is no consequence for sin. A salvation where we continue to live as we have always lived and say Jesus has paid it all. A salvation that does not distinguish us from the others that have not known and accepted. Friends, even during this time that we are not able to fellowship in the flesh, it's important that we stay connected to the Holy Spirit and to the Word of God. The third point is, how did they honor Christ? There's no doubt they honored Him. They honored Him with their songs. They praised him. They hailed him. They hailed him as God, as king, the king of Israel. They acknowledged his lordship. How did they honor him? I said, this mere man, they couldn't offer anything significant. They didn't have money to give. They didn't have expensive perfume to give. Amen. They didn't have clout. They, they couldn't introduce him to the governor. Even if they, they thought it was a good thing to do. 
They were mere men. They were men that didn't have anything. Listen. As they came, as Jesus came, the Bible says they put palm branches on the ground. You know what? They honored him with what was in their hands. They gave what they had. What do you have? Everybody has something. That is something the Lord told me many, many years ago. I remember there was a time I went for the convention at the camp. I didn't have any money to give. And I was complaining in my heart, Lord, I don't have money. God said, what's that in your hand? It was a watch. I took off my wristwatch. I put it in the thing. Everyone has something to give. There is something in your hand that you can give to the Lord. These people, the palm branches they had purchased as part of their celebration of the Passover. That was what was in their hand. So as they were hailing him, as they were praising him, it dawned on them that you cannot just praise with words. You have to give something. They gave what was in their hands. My question for us today is what's in your hand? What's in your hand? What's in your hand? You know, as I was having the barbecue, doing the barbecue yesterday, and I saw, I said, ah, this is a lot. This is a lot. I can share with other people. You know, and for everyone I gave, I sent them a note. I said, I know you have eaten better barbecue than this before, but know that I made this one with a lot of love. Please enjoy it with me. <laughs> Everybody can give something. Everybody. Everybody can give something. You can serve God. You can honor God. So, you know, one of the reasons some people give is the reason I can't serve is because I don't have this. Or this situation is not yet in place for me. <laughs> Friends, don't delay what you can do for God or what you can give to God. Don't delay it because of what you don't have. Do what you can do with what you have right now. Somebody said, if I had more time, I would worship him more. Worship him with the little time you have. Another person says, if I had more money, I would give to the church. If you are not faithful in little, you will not be faithful when there is much. Give what you have now. Serve with what you have now. Whatever it is you have, give. If only I can sing, I will serve God. If God has not given you the gift to sing, don't go and sing. You, you mess it up for the rest of them. There is something you have, focus on that. Oh, some people say, oh, if only I can just pray like such and such a person, God did not call you to pray like anybody. Prayer is a dialogue with God. You're talking to God. Do you need help on how to speak to your spouse? Or how to speak to your children? Well, maybe some people do. You know, but in general, nobody has to coach me to talk to my wife. Nobody has to coach me to talk to my friends. We communicate. We talk. We talk. Don't aspire. Oh, if only I can pray like this person, then I will have been an intercessor. Nobody called you to pray like anybody. Do you? Pray you. It is not the loudness of the prayer 
that determines answer to prayer. Some will say, oh, I will have love to teach. I will have love to this. I will have love to that. If only I can speak well like this other person. I have no interest in speaking like anybody. God has given me a voice. There's something about my life. There's a way God has wired me. He has wired me to be me. As long as I'm doing me, I will have more comfort. And there is abundant grace available for me to be me. If I want to be anybody else, (laughs) I will need a lot of coaching and practice. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10. Ecclesiastes 9 10. The Bible says, whatever your hand finds to do, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. The New King James Version. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your mind. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. Hallelujah. There is something you have that makes you you. There is something you have that is so unique to you that when you begin to operate in that sphere, then it becomes the new fashion that everybody is following. The problem is too many want to be somebody else. <laughs> they want to. I, I, I remember so, uh, 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 the co pastor was saying this the, uh, some time ago. He said, People tell me, Oh, you look, you remind me of uh, being bold. I said, No, no, I, I don't remind you of nobody. I remind you of me. I am me. I'm not trying to be. Uh, God bless, uh, may her soul rest in peace, uh, Pastor Bimbo Dukoy. Say, but I am me. My name is Joyce Sonny. I'm not doing anybody else. I'm doing me. There is something you can do. There is something you uniquely bring to the table. That's what I'm saying today. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Uh, rise up to the occasion. Rise up to the occasion. You know, the, the, the plan was, I was planning to decompress with uh, the barbecue yesterday with my family. That was, the, that was the whole intent. Well, I guess this tells you how I like to work too. You know, what was supposed to be a fun time became work. But it was not work because I did it with a lot of love. Hallelujah. And I went to deliver from house to house yesterday. Praise the Lord. There is something you can do. There is something you can give. I may not be able to cook some nice uh, uh, fried rice, whatever, but what I could do, I did yesterday. And it came out pretty good. came out pretty good. Hallelujah. As I conclude, I want to remind you that what happened back there was fulfillment of Scripture. It was a fulfillment of scripture because in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9, Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9, the Bible says, Rejoice, O people of Zion! Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem! Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt, riding on a donkey's colt. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 62 verse 11. Isaiah 62 11. The Lord has sent this message to every land. Tell the people of Israel. Look, 
your Savior is coming. Your Savior is coming. See, he brings his reward as he comes. Friends, one of the things that I found out is that uh, the fulfillment of scripture, and I want somebody to uh, listen to this. Uh, this, this, uh, this is a word for me. This is a word for me and I, for somebody out there too. What I found from my study is that the fulfillment of scripture or prophecy in your life is not based on any agreement of anybody. Amen? So the fact that the Pharisees and the Sadducees rejected Christ did not stop the prophecy from coming to pass. It does not matter who disagrees with the prophecy that has gone ahead of your life. That prophecy will be fulfilled in the name of Jesus. Whatever the Lord has spoken concerning your life, whatever the Lord has spoken concerning my life, they shall be realized. It shall come to fruition in the name of Jesus. Nothing can stop it. The agreement of men or their disagreement, it matters not in the fulfillment of the prophecy of God for your life. The prophecy has gone forth. Let them agree or disagree. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. It will come to pass. In your life, it will come to pass. In my life, it will come to pass. In the mighty name of Jesus. Listen. These people, what happened in the text that we have read, the Bible tells us in John chapter 11, 55 and 56 that they had gone to inquire before the thing happened. The Bible says it was now almost time for the Jewish Passover celebration and many people from all the country arrived in Jerusalem several days early so they could go through the purification ceremony before Passover began. Verse 56. They kept looking for Jesus. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? What are you seeking? Some people, all they are seeking is money. Money cannot save you. When it comes down to it, in there are billionaires that have died of cancer. And all their money could not help them. He said they kept looking. They kept looking. They are looking for Jesus. But as they stood around in the temple... They said to each other, what do you think? He won't come to Passover, will he? Verse 57. Will he come to Passover? Then next verse, 57. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Can somebody read for me, please? Verse 57. So you see what led up to that? You see what led up to that? They had gone to inquire. They had gone to look for Jesus. They went everywhere looking for him. So by the time Jesus entered Bethany, the people were ready. They were ready. They were ready. Jesus with open arms has come to you today. 
He's come to your home. He's come to your bedroom. Perhaps you're watching in the bedroom. He's come to you on your dining table, in your living room. He's come to you. Will you receive him? Will you accept him? Friends, he laid down his life for you and for me that we might be saved. That's the reason he came. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, it's kind of, uh, I, I won't say good, but it's uh, a little refreshing that all the noise that usually surrounds resurrection is not there this time around. Because nobody can, your egg hunt and this and that. A solemn thing has become a party. It's not about the egg hunt. It's not about the party. Why did he come? What did he die for? That is the significant thing. So right now, we have no choice but to be focused, laser focused on why he has come. I want you to bow your hearts with me this morning. I say, Lord, I have heard your word. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. They kept looking for you. They kept looking for you. But Lord, your word says, your word is nigh us. You are near us. You are nearer than we have imagined. Father, I pray that you will touch every heart. Daddy, I pray that you will touch every heart. Touch us. Touch us. Lord, I pray that the word of prophecy that has gone before us, that there may be fulfillment in the name of Jesus. For Lord, your word says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Lord, I pray that those that have waited and that their hearts are getting weak, Lord, I pray for strength. That Lord, you will strengthen us. That Lord, even in this time that everybody is uh, staying at home and all of these things going on, that they give hope, give encouragement. That they let our eyes be focused on you, laser focused on you in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Jehovah. We give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. The Lord will perfect all that concerns you and all that concerns me in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have our Thanksgiving uh, right now. Uh, I know you're at home, uh, watching at home. Let's come together and let's celebrate together. This is the first Sunday in the month of April. And as our manner is, we're going to be having our Thanksgiving celebration. And I want to give a specific shout out this morning even to Daddy and Mommy Irewole. Today is their 40th wedding anniversary. <laughs> we celebrate you, sir. We celebrate you, ma'am. Uh, we say Daddy and Mommy Irewole to distinguish from Mr. and Mrs. Irewole in Kilin. <laughs> the Lord bless you. You have been a good example. God will continue to sustain you. God will continue to uphold you. It shall be well with you in the name of Jesus. Your labor of love will not be in vain. Your love will grow stronger in the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. 
we encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.